Is there a right way to narcissistic abuse recovery? And is there any type of relationship that isn't significant enough to emotionally hook us? Today, Tara and I are gonna read a listener's letter that talks about this type of situation. We're gonna talk about the power of getting emotionally hooked in toxic relationships. And the self-help tip is to replace our painful thoughts and moments with acts of kindness towards ourselves. Thank you for joining us on Breaking Free from Narcissistic Abuse, where we talk about strategies, tips, and tricks on navigating and recovering from narcissistic abuse. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie McAvoy, a mental health clinician with over 20 years experience and author of Love You More, a graphic inside look at my experience of a toxic relationship. And I'm your other co-host, Tara Blair Ball, a certified relationship coach and abuse survivor and author of Reclaim and Recover, Heal from Toxic Relationships with a seven-step guided journal. Today, we're going to be doing a slightly different segment and to see whether or not y'all might like it. So if you do, make sure to send us an email, leave a comment on any of our content, and give us a sense of whether you liked this kind of episode or not. Today, we are going to be reading a letter from a listener that she shared with us. And then Carrie and I will open a dialogue about what we think this listener should do. So the letter starts, Hi, Carrie and Tara. You are incredible and have an amazing podcast. Thank you. I'm wondering if you could talk about situationships with narcissists and or toxic people on your podcast. I'd greatly appreciate some advice. So here's a scenario, Carrie. I was in a situation with ship with a guy who I now think is a covert narcissist for one and a half years. He would be so kind and lovely coming off as the perfect partner, yet would orbital ghost me. He'd always come back like nothing happened and lay the future faking down hard when I'd pull away and always used guilt as a currency in a way that would threaten him leaving again if I wouldn't help him or advise him or love him. He made me feel like I'm the bad one for not giving him a chance and that it was my fault he came and went. And if I'd only given him a chance, he'd love the hell out of me and treat me better after saying he wanted nothing serious. I'd never know when I'd hear from him when he suddenly stopped talking, which I now see he used to his advantage. Every time I figured it out, yet I couldn't walk away because I didn't want to hurt him or cause more distress in his life than what he already had. I finally did, though, gather the strength to leave him and I deleted his number but couldn't get myself to block him. It's been over two months now and we haven't talked. He hasn't contacted me at all. We do live in the same city, just on opposite sides, and anytime I drive through his side of the city, I can't help but spiral. The other day I was at the park close by his house for a birthday party and I saw him. It felt as though a dagger was twisting in my gut. It was raw and absolutely awful. So I wonder how long will it be until I can drive through those streets and not feel such pain or think of him. This was just a situationship, not even a committed relationship. Yet my heart hurts still and I feel like I should be in a better place right now than I am. But I didn't know how to be there and not think about him or how to heal and forgive myself for the shame and guilt and let go. What do you think, Carrie? This is familiar place. Two things that hit me right off the top. One is Strong trauma bond got developed, irregardless of whether or not this was romantic or intimate or just a situationship. There was a strong connection, but also that she's really being plagued by a lot of cognitive dissonance. The duality there of this good guy and the bad guy, and she's struggling with knowing what's real. And she tends to lean, like most of us, into the good guy. Like she said, that whenever they get back together, he would like lean into all this future faking, creating this really romantic life together, a future life together, that she's still caught in that, that that still is existing is real for her, but leapt out of you at most. Level of, of 
pain and guilt and she mentioned shame like the the comment my heart still hurts and I feel like I should be in a better place right now than I am I think it's so easy to be really hard and tough on ourselves for the fact that we are still bonded we still have these feelings and that's really what I related to a lot is just how how much we shame ourselves for the fact that our recovery from whatever doesn't look like what we would hope or want it to be. And it sucks. It really, really sucks. And I can just relate to that a lot. I was the one to leave my toxic ex, and yet I was the one who felt broken and he seemed fine. That was so awful to me. It made it, made it even more devastating because I'm like, he's the one who did that fucked up shit. Why is he feeling fine? Why hasn't Carmen yeah. come back and bite him in the ass? And why am I on the floor weeping all the time? So I can relate a lot to that being hard on ourselves. But yeah, I, I do want to recognize that clearly this is progress that, you know, deleted the number, didn't reach out, saw him and didn't run over there, talk to him. That I think those are all signs of good progress that someone can do in this situation. And I think it's also relevant to to talk about too that this was just a situationship these relationships are so impactful that it doesn't matter if it was just a friendship or a coworker or a family member or a romantic partner that they do have this level of impact on us and yes. it can devastate us and annihilate us regardless of the level of commitment and i think that's important to just acknowledge too that they they can really devastate us. And clearly this had a big impact because of the back and forth. The other thing that struck me was she said that his primary tool was guilt. And notice what was laced through this letter was lots of guilt, that he is still effectively controlling her by making her feel bad for even feeling bad. I just saw kind of layers of the guilt being piled on, you know, guilty for not do what she thinks doing the right things, which you and I clearly know this healing process is not linear. Sometimes definitely a two-step forward, one-step back kind of experience. And sometimes you feel like you've taken five steps back. It doesn't even feel like you've taken one step. It feels like you lost ground. But that's a normal kind of recovery. But also guilt for feeling the way she does, guilt for the way she's exiting. But I just hear there's laced with guilt. So I think it's really interesting. Sometimes when we can stand back from these relationships and look at them on a map level, we can see the way that the, the person's exploitation of us it sets the groundwork for us then to exploit ourselves with that. It's like they set almost like a machinery inside of us going, sort of this way of thinking, and then it just carries forward and continues to activate in ourselves even when we're not aware of it. I know that mine has done some of that same thing. He would have a way of making digs at me about my appearance or my desirability. And if I'm not careful, I can hear myself picking those up and making the same comments to myself. And I have to recognize that and stop that because it's a continuation of his abuse. He doesn't even need to be here to continue to abuse me. But I have to recognize the nature of this. One thing that we need to mention is that thing you talked about is letting someone control or letting someone still have power over us. The fact that this writer of this letter deleted the number but didn't block, that person still has power and control there. Like you don't have the ability to necessarily reach out to them because you deleted their number, but they potentially can. And you haven't blocked their potential access to you. And so that's one thing that I would suggest for this listener is how can you take some of your own power back? And part of that is stopping someone from having access to you. 
we aren't going to be able to necessarily control where we see someone or the memories that we have to a certain place, but we can control someone's access to us. And I will say about the memories piece, that's a super tough one. What has helped me in my recovery process is creating new memories in those specific places, new positive memories. So I remember like there was a favorite park that I had that I used to go with an ex a lot. And that park always had really strong memories for me. But it was also a park I had visited and loved before we had even been together. And I really wanted to reclaim it for myself. And I would go sometimes after we separated and just feel sad in the park because it just was a constant reminder of that. But then I joined like a walking group and we would take walks around this lake that was at this park. Like it just I just created a new memory there. It wasn't Mm -hmm. all just that relationship. It sort of reclaimed it for myself. And it's also okay to take space from visiting certain places until some of those have passed or have lessened. The duration, frequency, and intensity has lessened. I think some of the things that might be holding this listener back is the fact that they may still be sort of waiting for that contact because it could Mm -hmm. come. And would you be prepared for it if it did? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to let go of the fantasy of what we wish a relationship could be, the potential. We often talk about it in terms of a potential. The potential is actually not there. If it's not there now, then it's not there at all. And and that the idea of it could be there is actually a mirage. It's an illusion. It's not actually real. But we get trapped on that because we see a person's innate good nature and we end up thinking there's hope that this could be more or could be better. And so we leave that door open as proof of that. And I also think sometimes we we all have a need to be chosen. That's just hardwired into our nature. We're wired for belonging. And there's no bigger boon or boost to our ego than to have somebody that we see as not choosing us to then choose us. It really does something powerful for us. And that's, again, not wrong to want that. That's the way we're made. It's innate. But what we can do is to recognize that as not bad, but vulnerable, and then step in and choose ourselves. You're, you're right. A great way to choose yourself is to block him. Just to say, you know what, I'm taking this relationship off the table at all levels. I don't want the relationship. That's what's helped me a lot when I see these kind of these iffy situations to ask myself, do I really want somebody who's willing to do this to me? Is that showing myself love and respect to allow somebody to be in this kind of this, even if it's waffly, you know, in and out, up and down, whatever. But this is clearly abusive. But I'm even saying less abusive. I ask myself, is this really the kind of relationship that I want? Why am I then leaving an opening for that? And just to take it off the table. And that can bring you so much peace, so much peace. It's scary doing it. But once it's done, I always feel a lot of relief, incredible relief. I find for myself and my recovery in general that I, I just really have to pay attention to my actions. My actions will often tell me things. And in this case, for example, like not blocking the number, deleting it, but not blocking it is that sort of leaving that door open, you know, and this listener may not actually be able to go back and block because they'd have to have the number in place. So, yeah, that's right. Right. So, you know, it may be about thinking about how you will respond if and when they do reach out. For me, when that did happen, when I was reached out to in a situation similar to this, I just immediately blocked. I'm like, thank God I have their number. I can block them. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I think a couple I responded with like, hey, hope you're well. I'm not interested in continuing anything with you. Block. Yeah. I think, again, it's about remembering that you can take your power back. You can make that choice. And I didn't feel like I could make that choice for a long time because I felt like it was 
it wasn't nice or it was mean or whatever. I feel like I have the privilege today of getting to choose what people have access to me. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's because I see myself as valuable today. And I didn't for a long time. For a yeah. long time, I saw myself as valuable only by what other people thought of me. But I, I see myself today as valuable in and of myself. And that's taken a lot of work to get there. Yeah. And that's, yeah, it, it has helped choosing actions like stopping being selective about the people I allow to have access to me. This person will reach out. I'm going to tell you, he will reach out again just because he knows he has successfully in the past. He will do it again. May take a while, may be a year or two, but he will reach out again. So I agree. When that happens, be ready for it. Have a plan of action. See that as as an opportunity to then not only to delete again, but also to block. I think the other thing that I really heard in this letter, in fact, it was powerful because I just saw a TikTok on this by Cynthia. She goes by Sinful on TikTok. She did this fantastic clip showing what recovery looks like. And at first she's like talking up, celebrating, act like it's really big. And then she's crying in her bed. You know, next thing she's doing something really victorious. And then she's drinking. It's just kind of this waffling of I'm good. I'm not good. I'm good. And I'm not good. And I, I think it's important for us to know that that's what recovery looks like. It is a messy process. You'll be hit by emotional experiences you don't expect. It's often at unexpected times or things that you thought weren't going to be a problem suddenly are problematic because it triggered some memory that you had or some bad incident that you forgot about. But to to be okay, to kind of give ourselves so much leeway, so much grace and space for us to let this be a messy process. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, we get so caught up on thinking there's a right way. I, I hear that a lot. People will say, is this normal? Yeah, it's normal for you that it's normal. In fact, you know what, it, in psychology, when we would assess a child's behavior, parents would come in and tell me as a therapist about problematic issues. It wasn't that something happened that's the problem. All kids fight. All kids wet the bed. All kids struggle eating. All kids don't want to go to school. And same for adults. We have behaviors that are typical for us. It's not that they show up that's the problem. It's the frequency and the duration that's mm -hmm. the problem. If you start to see that as a habitual problem, a habitual issue, then you know you've got a problem, something that needs to be addressed. But the fact that you have these reactions, they just say that you're human. That's all that they're saying. They're not saying anything more than that. But we get so caught up in this idea that there's a template, like there's a right way to do things. Mm -hmm. And that it's just, there's just your way. It's not a right way. It's just your way. And I think it's important to recognize that there will always be masks. I know some people who have handled the recovery process in this way that like seemed perfect and so good. And then they start dating and they're a fucking mess <laughs> or they're a fucking mess in the grieving process. I just yeah. think it's really an important part of the human experience that we are messy and we're not going to handle it perfectly. And this this is a bit of a mess for this listener. And there's some shame around that. I always tell clients that you're going to make mistakes, but hopefully there'll be new ones. And that's a sign of progress. That was a good reminder for me when I was in my in that own place of like when I would make a mistake. Just because I'm I left a toxic ex doesn't mean I suddenly became perfect or anything like that. I was still going to make mistakes. They just yeah. hopefully are going to be new ones, which means I'm not repeating the same old, same old. And that's the goal here for this listener is walking yourself through that and keep making different choices. 
I love that because that's such a good point. And just because you do something well doesn't mean you're going to do everything well. You're so right. Every person has a place that we kind of like don't fall apart. So I, I love that. And don't let anyone else shame you around that too. I've noticed like, well, you did so well here. Why are you not doing so well there? You know what? It's not your process. Butt out. It's you. It's where you're struggling. I've had several people close to me die. Each one of them hit me different in different ways in different times. And and I've just learned to throw at the idea that there is a playbook out the window. There's not. There's not a playbook to any of this. I keep asking myself, am I trying to step forward? Am I trying to do what I know works or not? And they use that as a measurement. And some days the answer is yes, some days not so good, and other days absolutely not. But I try to make the yes and so-so days more than the not-so-good days. I like that. I hope this listener got something for from our conversation today. I, I think it's... Too. I think it's a good thing to really consider from a lot of different angles. For one, that part of shaming ourselves because it's just a situationship. It doesn't matter. These right. types of people and these types of relationships, regardless of how long they last, regardless of how much commitment, they're going to have a really lasting impact on us. And this yep. one lasted for a year and a half. Like, that's yep. not a short amount of time. I had a relationship with someone who's very, I know today was very clearly narcissist. It literally was only three months it still had a huge impact on me because of how much it started to affect my self-esteem and feelings of yeah. self-worth and the c controlling aspects of that relationship. I'm very grateful I left when I did, but it did have an impact on me, especially moving forward. It did. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. These relationships have an ability to get under our skin or into our hearts in a profoundly different way that just makes it super toxic, super impactful. Yeah. I, I really appreciate this letter. And if you find this helpful, I hope other listeners would consider writing us and presenting different situations. We'd be happy to take that up and do this periodically because I found this a lot of fun and I, I appreciate the trust. It means a lot to have this listener's trust to ask us this. So thank you for that. Any final kind of like do you think of a self-help tip or last words of advice for her in this situation? Something I was thinking about with that comment that she made of it was raw and absolutely awful, like a dagger twisting in your gut. What can you do with that pain that would be positive? Mm -hmm. That's a very internal, like a dagger twisting in your gut. What could you do to take care of yourself instead, but also recognize that you're still someone who deserves love and kindness? So what kind of self-care can you do when you're feeling something as awful as a dagger twisting in your gut? A lot of us tend to neglect ourselves in that process because we feel like a piece of shit. We don't eat. We don't sleep. But instead, go do the opposite. Go do something kind for yourself. Go bring yourself a cool beverage. Sit down at the table to eat something nice. That's something that I still have to work through of like when I'm stressed or overwhelmed or I'm feeling emotionally zapped. What can I do to practice that self-care to, to remind myself that I'm still worthy and deserving of love and care and respect? And so that's what I would suggest for our listener, as well as all of our listeners. When, when we have those bad, nasty feelings that we tend to make bad and nasty about ourselves, what can we do that would be the opposite? I love that. It's almost like when you see a skinned knee, you you bandage the knee. You see a hurt heart, you move forward, you do some healing to that. I love that. That's a great suggestion. What did you think of today's segment? And is it something you would like to hear more from us? Or do you have a situation you'd like to get our advice on? You can let us know by emailing us at hello at breakingfreewithcarrietear.com. 
If you haven't yet, make sure you follow or subscribe, write us a review, and if you know someone who would benefit from this episode, make sure to share it with them. If you're not following us on social media yet, you can check me out at Tara.RelationshipCoach and Carrie at Carrie McAvoy PhD, and we'll see you back here next time.